Welcome to our Portuguese Table Podcast. I'm Maria Lott, and these are in Green Bean. And I'm Angela Samoz, and we're just two chicks dishing about Portuguese food, culture, and what it means to be Portuguese-American. So grab a glass of vinho or um copo de café and join us as we talk about our favorite foods, reminisce about growing up Portuguese-American, and interview some of our community's most successful chefs and food writers. So, so sit down, down at, at our Portuguese, Portuguese table. table. everyone. This is Maria Lawton. I'm here with Angela. Say hi, Angela. Hello. Hello. And we're also here with a special guest. We have Chef George Mendes. Hi, George. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hi. Now, I'm going to call you George, or do I have to call you Chef George? No, no, George is fine. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, it's out of respect. I'm saying yeah. this out of respect because, you know, you worked really hard to get that chef name in front of your name. So, you know, well, I I absolutely respect that. We could call you Doutor Cozinheiro or something like that, you know. Yes. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with that. You're fine with calling Detour? Okay, Senhor Detour. I have, you know, for those that are out there, just introduce yourself and, and let everyone know who you are, George. Sure. My name is George Mendez. I'm the chef and owner of Aldea Restaurant and Lupulo Restaurant here in New York City. Aldea is now approaching its uh, seven-year birthday, and Lupulo is still an infant. Uh, we opened about nine months ago, and here we are in the bustling uh, concrete jungle of New York City. I love your places. Your places are gorgeous. I, I, I'm going to now gush. Okay. Can I gush, Angela? Can I gush? Absolutely. I'm going to gush. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> now my husband and I, I was, I was very lucky that I was able to eat at Chef George's restaurant, Lupolo. And I loved everything about it. I felt like I was in Portugal at a restaurant there. I really did. I felt very much at home. But now don't you have Bika? In there too? Yeah, Bika is a little um, cafe window uh, corner spot of Loop Below that services the sidewalk through a little window, but people also can come inside. And, you know, it was basically our attempt to capture the foot traffic of the neighborhood and be able to uh, serve some Portuguese baked goods in the morning, like the pastéis and nata and yes. muffins and scones. And we have a really great relationship with a, a great coffee roaster out of. Um, out of uh, Westchester County, up at White Plains, of upstate New York. And we're just getting oh, some great, cool. great blends that's of coffee. And I think we're really proud of the coffee program that yeah. we have. So, yeah, yeah, Bika is part of Lupolo. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, it's, its, own little, uh, its own little entertainment of a, of a toy, I think. I, yeah. think <laughs> I, love now, that. I love that concept because that's so much a part of the Portuguese culture, right? The coffee and the pastry in the morning. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah exactly. Cute. I mean, it's so... Uh, quintessential. That's awesome. So, and, and I have to say, George, I, so I'm in California, so I haven't been to your restaurants yet, but they are like at the top of my list for the next time <laughs> I go out there. I can't wait. I, and I have to say, I'm excited to try Lupolo <laughs> first. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, congratulations on all your success. Thank yes. You. Yes. And the Thank thing you. is, is we're so proud of you because mm-hmm. you are, you're, you've done amazing. You have this wonderful cookbook that you have that is also called My Portugal. Thank you. 
And the one thing that we as Portuguese have to kind of stick together on is being proud of each other. And I am so proud of you. <laughs> it's true. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you very I, I really am. And I, I love your book. I love it. Love it. Love it. It's love a beautiful it. book. Yeah, it's very, very beautifully done. And first of all, I love you. when you open it, you have the tiles. And for anyone that knows me, I love tiles. So right off the bat, I'm like, oh, my God, I love the inside cover. It's just tiles. But the stories that go along with it and the pictures and the food. And one of the things that I had at your restaurant that to this day, I still like, oh, my God, I still like remember it was the green fava bean. Yeah. With the morsala in it, and yep. and the mint. Yep, very quintessential uh, Portuguese combination from the Alentejo region. Uh, it is. Lisbon. I think it's lovely. Um, I, I've always loved that combination. I love it. Now uh, the thing is, is with fava beans, young fava beans. Of course, I grew up in the Azores, not in the continent. And with young fava bean, it would be the young fava bean with the shirdis. And then right. part the parsley and then the egg on top. You know, that's that's what how you would have your fava bean. And right. so when I had it with Marcella, which I love Marcella to begin with, and like mint, I'm like, okay, I'm blown away by this. This dish is just bl- – and I know it's a simple dish, but sometimes it's the most simple things that are the most delicious sometimes. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I think um, you, there, that, that was talked about in an article – or maybe on your website that part of your style is just keeping with the simplicity of it. And which is very, again, a very Portuguese thing. Right. So that's, I love that. Yeah. Well, the thing it is now, what is your favorite dish to make? Let's put it that way. What, what is your favorite dish to make? God, you know, it, it, it's uh that's a really hard question. I think, you know, what we do at Alubla and what we do at Aldea really gets inspired by, or is driven by, the seasons and what's available at the market, you know, the winter yeah. becomes a challenge. You know, I think, um, we really, we really, uh, try to cook for the clientele. We try to cook for, we, we try to strike a balance. Whereas I'm able to personally express and, and execute food that I believe in, that I like, yeah. that, uh, kind of tells a story. Um, yeah. and also caters to caters to our clientele. You know, mm-hmm. I think, uh, Aldea has over the years become a destination restaurant. It's a little bit more quote unquote uh, fine dining. Um, it's a little more tasting. Menu. Michelin star, Michelin rated. Yes. Let's add that in there. Hello. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. And Lupolo is, Lupolo is a little bit more like roll up your sleeves, come in after work, have a glass of wine or a craft beer and have some bolinas of bacalao or, um, you know, some oysters or some charcuterie. That yeah. kind of a thing. And I, and I think that, you know, what we cook at, at Lupo, the entire menu has an interpretation or an expression of what we love to eat and also what we want to make. Um, I think that, um, I don't have one particular favorite dish. We have the dishes that are more popular. I mean, really loves coming in for the frango okay. piri piri. Then, and it's just, it just goes down. Right. That road. Maybe, yeah. and maybe I asked it the wrong way. What dish would you want? Let's say right now, if your mom or grandmother could make it for you. What dish would that be? Gosh, um, I love, I, I really love eating my mother's tomato rice oh, with yeah. a, you know, a tempura or like a little um, batter fried piece of fish on top, which is very, very common in Portuguese food. Yes. Um, 
Portuguese culture, arroz tomato with, uh, you know, with, uh, with peixe uh, frito. It, it brings me back to summertime in Danbury, Connecticut, growing up in, in a Portuguese community. You know, it was, my mom yeah. would make that dish. My aunts would make the dish. We'd have it on Christmas Eve. We'd have it on a typical casual lazy Sunday. Mm. Um, and it just kind of became that example or that flavor refer- yeah. reference point. You know, and it's not, it wasn't that just that dish, but. A lot. I have to say that it's definitely rice dishes that have left a big impact on my mm. career, period, so, and what I like to eat and cook. And so your first food memory, let's put that. What's your first food memory? Uh, toast. Uh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we had... What's I love, I love... Every day is tomorrow. Yeah, you know, we, we, had, we had this Portuguese bakery down the street called the International Bakery, and uh, occasionally... You know, we'd have the Portuguese festival, Saints Days, instead. And I remember coming home from the Portuguese club after dinner and dancing. My mother would stop at the bakery as the bakers were taking the bread out of the oven overnight. And I can always smell that bread coming uh-huh. out of the oven. And then in the morning, whether it was my mom or it was my babysitter, I did just something, the simple such pleasure in a piece of bread coming out of the toaster oven and smothering butter on it. It really yeah. is. It I is. Don't, and, I, and that is my first memory of food. I, I just, it's never going to go that, away. It's something that I still enjoy till today. That's awesome. I love that. Now I'm yeah. going to ask you one more thing and that, is, oh, well, more things, but now what one food would you absolutely won't eat? I won't eat? Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I despise shad roe. What is? I can't I'm, I'm going to be. I can't eat. I can't eat shad roe. It's a delicacy that comes out every spring. Um, it's the roe of the of, of shad fish that is oh. very typically flowered and sautéed, and, and it's very popular in the springtime. And it comes out at the same time as morel mushrooms and ramps and and really? uh, and chanterelle mushrooms. It's very popular in many many restaurants, and I just can't stand eating it. You can't stand. Oh so, yeah, I, I won't. I won't eat it. I won't eat it. <laughs> So, so I don't blame you. It does not sound appetizing. No, enough. that sounds gross. Yeah. Why would anyone want to eat that? Oh my god. Well, so, so, well, we all eat caviar, though. You know, it's a caviar. Yeah. You know, coming from sturgeon, fine caviar. But do you know, I I don't care for it. Isn't that funny? Right. I don't care for it. I huh. tried it once, and it was I didn't like the little the little thing, and it was it was too so salty, and it was like oh what. And then I found out what it was, and I was like, "Okay, now I know. I don't, I don't care for it." So it okay. could be, it could be laced in gold, George. And I really, uh-huh. yeah, isn't that funny? I don't, I don't care for that. So I'm right there. Yeah. With that one. All right. So George, uh-huh. you said the. I love that your first food memory is is the toast with the butter because it's such the ultimate comfort food. And, and so this goes into another question that is on Maria's list. So how? How early on, and, and it said in your bio that you had a, at an early age a love for food, but when did you know you wanted to be a chef? Um, yeah, you know, that started right out of high school. Mm. I went and visited the Culinary Institute of America in approximately 1990, and uh, I didn't have any other major plans to enroll at an, in a university. My folks were not pushing me to apply to any schools. I didn't really have a, a major in mind. I wasn't really... Um, I just wanted to work, and you know, my mom and dad were both basically saying, "Hey, okay, just go out and find a job that you love, work hard, and make money." Um, yep. <laughs> so it was kind of like that gave me like a, a, an opportunity to do whatever the hell I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> that's essence. awesome. And you know, they were they were immigrants. My my parents were immigrants. They came in 1969, and they were blue collar workers all their life. So 
and then they didn't have a college education. So I went on a whim uh, my senior year in high school, went on a field trip to the College of America, and I already had the whisper of food um, mm. being surrounded by it, by my mom's cooking and all of the holidays at my aunt's house and gathering the family members would be up to 30 of us sitting around the table and just eating. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a very celebratory yes, part of the year, the holidays. Yeah. And I, it was always surrounded by food. So I grew <laughs> up with that. I grew you know, up with that. It's funny because Angela, Angela's out in the West Coast. And of course, you know, I'm out here in Massachusetts. And this past yeah. weekend, Angela uh, flew down to Rhode Island for a meeting. So I met her. And because all this time we've been talking and Skyping and all of that stuff. And we talk just, we always talk about this. It always comes back, being Portuguese, it always comes back to our table. It always comes back to our Portuguese table. And the best memories that we have is when we're there surrounded with our loved ones. And it's always a celebration. Whenever we're all around a table, it's always a party. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a wonderful way to grow up and, and, and have that, have that with us. That's part Mm -hmm. of being Portuguese. and, And the kitchen was the place to be, right? I mean, you could have a beautiful dining room, or a place to eat, but everybody was in the kitchen talking and drinking and eating and picking at the food that was being cooked, you know? Oh, not at my house. The people my mother... exactly oh, the, no? the, the kitchen oh, no. was a magnet. My, in my, oh, yeah, because you're, well, my mom, I should say, my aunt had a kitchen in the basement. The upstairs kitchen was never used. It never was just used, for right. show. Uh, and, but Typical my, Portuguese. Yeah, but my mom was not like that. My mom was like, I don't want two kitchens because that means I have to clean two kitchens. Two kitchens yeah. So she always had it. We had it in there. But we lived in a three-family home, and it was the small galley kitchen. So it was – that kitchen was like uh-huh. – it was like she was a a sergeant in there and it was like this could only go there that could only go there and we were not allowed to go in that kitchen and and nibble at anything until it was all on the table (laughs) are you kidding me no way now does your mom now when it comes to time for parties now and all of that stuff is your mom still the one making all the food or is she saying okay george you gotta help mom now you know it's it's uh she still has a nag for it and a desire to, but it's become the family has kind of dwindled and everybody's had kids and moved away and mm-hmm. um, but, you know it's a lot to it's a lot to put together a, a dinner for thirty people, young kids and adults out of a home kitchen and yeah. you know and go downstairs and put together a plate settings for thirty and put this table with that table and you know you have kids running around it's a lot of work and a lot of stress. I remember my mother would always talk about that and she's like i don't know if I'm, i don't know if i can do this and and it would always be the aunts and the sisters all helping each other out and they go to each other's homes i can i can still vividly remember these yeah um from being a kid and it got to a point where it became very stressful so nowadays it, my mom still cooks my aunt still cooks i find myself on thanksgiving day in the restaurants as we're always open but christmas eve and christmas yeah. day are always still very special where even if it's just 10 or 12 of us Gathered, gathered around a small table and still being able to um, to share, you know, that special day of the year and, and be together. I think it's very important. Yes, it is. We were talking before, and um, Angela and I we were talking about what we had at our table for the holidays. For for, and I was explaining that from Thanksgiving through the New Year, it's constant parties. It's yeah. the constant 
eating. It's the constant everything. And it must be hard. And I know I just read something about you not too long ago. And they were saying how you have changed your way of eating. Yes. And and have started being more health conscious. And so yeah. just, just I, you know, and I, I was reading that and I'm like, oh, my God, that poor man. He's surrounded by food all the time. <laughs> And well, you know, I didn't become Mr. Health Nut, you know, eating, you know, no fat and like that. I mean, it, it's everything is still, uh, I mean, I had a burger for lunch today, you know. It's oh, I love you, hearing you know, that. Good. Not like everything. Yeah, okay. you know, you know, I've, I've just kind of really become a little bit more attentive, uh, in my lifestyle. And, you know, where everything was too excessive, it's come now, I've kind of balanced it out where you know, things are a lot more in moderation. But most importantly, that I've become a lot more fitness aware, mm, um, and exercising right. and running. Um, that's become my, um, my addiction, as mm-hmm. so to speak. Interesting. Yep. Now, living in, so you live in New York, correct, George? Yes. So yes. do you find yourself walking a lot of places? Or are you still taking the subway and things like that? And I'll tell you the reason I ask is because, you know, when we go to Portugal, we always, especially my husband, I think because it's easier for men to lose weight than women, he always loses like 15 pounds when he goes to Portugal. And I think a lot of it has to do with we walk everywhere. Just because of the nature of the city and the way it's laid out. And New York is one of those cities that lends itself much more to walking than I think a lot of places in the U.S., which certainly helps with fitness, right? It definitely helps. I do a lot of walking on a daily basis. You know, I live on 24th Street and 6th Avenue. Aldea is on 17th Street and 6th Avenue. And Lupolo is on 29th Street and 6th Avenue. So I know 6th Avenue like the back of my hand. (laughs) Um, I, I take a lot of steps up and down that road from yeah. 17th Street all the way up to 29th to sometimes three times per day, on top of which I do a lot of running in the morning. I'm presently training for a half marathon. So, good for um, you. Yeah. Oh my so, God, you know, I think that's, that's definitely um, given me a lot more clarity. I think it's probably the most ultimate stress manager, I would say, like to say, like to call that. Really? Um, I think finding, finding the, uh, finding the time, it's like, it, it's, I've become a different, um, you know, we're known to be night owls and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we socialize at night. I think I, the past six months, six to eight months have become a lot more of a morning person. And I'm, you know, I'm training at 630 in the morning and I'm I'm running wow. with other coaches and it's become a whole different uh, path, which, you know. Am I going to recognize think, you when I see you next? Yes, of course you will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course you will. Of course you will. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I think, I think we just go through different stages in our lives. You know, yeah. you, 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 you go through a different stages in your life and you, uh, come to a point where it's like, you know what? I've done there. I've been there. We've done that. Let's move on to the next chapter of life. All right. Um, and yeah. that might be, that might be in different facets of all kinds. So, wow. Now I'm going to ask you a personal question. Now I'm going to ask you a personal one. Now, are you married? Not married. I am, I'm uh, divorced about, oh gosh, like five, six years ago now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. So do you have any children? No, no not ch- yet. Not well, yet. Well, yeah, I do have two children. It's, it's a, a seven-year-old called Aldea and a, a nine-month-old called <laughs> Lupolo. They are your yeah. babies. Yeah, absolutely. They are yeah. your babies. And how yeah. many siblings do you have? I have one sister. You have one a younger sister, sister who lives in uh, Brookfield, Connecticut. Oh, nice. And nieces and nephews? I've got uh, two nephews, Jonathan and Caden. Oh, that you get to spoil, hopefully? 
I, you know, I, I wish I could see them more. It's hard being in New York City and it's the hours and the demands of owning two businesses. Yeah. I, I wish I could see them more, but you know, I, I, they're both soccer players, which uh, I adore and try to get up there as much as possible to spend time with them. Oh, wow. That, well, so I, know, I know that I want to thank you for being here and doing this with us. You know, we're, sure. just, we're just trying to promote Portuguese, being Portuguese, the success stories of Portuguese people out there and how we have to kind of own who we are and be proud of that. And I am so happy that you took the time out of a very busy day to come and talk to us. So I really, truly appreciate that. My pleasure. My pleasure. And and just know that we are, we adore you. We want the greatest success always for you. Thank you. um, And I I cannot wait to see you again and give you a big hug. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's always great to see you, Maria. All right, honey. We'll talk soon, okay? Thanks so much, George. Okay. Thank All you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. So, what an amazing call with George. He, he I mean, Chef George. Or de tour George, as we were <laughs> tour cuisinero, yeah. <laughs> tour cuisinero. And he had to go just for the simple fact that he had, um, he's a busy man. He's a busy he man. Is, yeah. But I love talking to him. He's such, such a, a great sweet guy. guy. So oh down to earth. God, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's funny. My, my husband and I were visiting New York uh, this past summer with family. And we got to go eat in La Polo. And actually, you know, Chef uh, George came out and sat with us. And Get out. Had, he did. He so sat down. Nice. And he, he, I was, he knew about me and I knew about him. But the thing is, is I didn't know he knew about me. And so he sat down and he's like, so you're the Azorian green bean. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> and, so he, awesome. and he's like, I've got a book for you. I'd like to give you my book. And he signed it and all that. And he's like, well, where's my book? And I'm like, oh shit. I oh, didn't even no. think. So I'm like, oh goodness. I said, I'm in so the sorry. Mail. It's in the mail. Yeah. And I'm like, I will mail it to you. I will absolutely mail it to you. And I did. And I did, you know, and one of the things we, I wanted to ask him, but we, we didn't have time because again, he, he just, he took that time for, for us, which I am so thankful. But one of the things we talked about, and, and I've said this again, I say it over and over, just how proud I am of him. And I told him what was the moment in his life that he kind of like took a step back and said, I've, I've made it. Cause I told him, I said, Oh, oh yeah. my God, you've made it. And he's like, He's like, yeah, it's like, I don't think that way. It's like, I've got so much more to do and all that stuff. I said, but no, 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 you, you, you reached a point where you went, oh boy, this is like, this is, this is really good. Yeah. And he said the the time he says, you know, my, and like he said, his parents immigrated in the sixties over here Mm -hmm. and he was born here, but his parents are, you know, blue collar workers and they were in Portugal. They were the, you know, they were, they were workers. They were just everyday people and, and hard workers. And he said, when the president of Portugal came to his restaurant and he served him lunch, what a, what a surreal experience that must've been. He was like, Oh my God. You know, it's like my parents came from, you know, lesser means and came here to give me a better life. And, and here I am, you know, working and because again, what did he say? His parents were like, you just go do it. 
go have fun, work, go make it happen. Yep. And and that's what he did. He had that to do it. Mm-hmm. And how well is he doing that now he is honored to have or be served a meal cooked by him, made by yep. him at his yep. restaurant. I mean, it is – I see I talk about it and I get goosebumps. I get goosebumps uh-huh. every time I – I actually cried when he told me the story because I, I think that's so heartfelt and, mm-hmm. and just shows you just how much his heart is in being who he is. Sure. And, um, so yeah, so I, I'm going to say it again, Jeff George Mendes. I am just completely proud of everything that you've done. I really am. Well, and you know what? We know what I love too is that he's so down to earth and his experiences are almost identical to everything that we've talked about and our own experiences. And, you know, I don't know why we just assume that if someone is in a, a high position like he is, you know, or, or who's famous, that somehow their experiences were different and that's why they're famous, you know, but no. it's not, it's no. not right. They are no. just like us. They are and, just like I us. I mean, he could sit down at our Portuguese table and Correct. chat for hours with us about yeah. whatever. And he, and and so he, he did. And he yes, did sit yeah. at our table today. Yep. Yay, he sat at our table. We had an amazing time <laughs> with Chef George Mendes today at our table, our Portuguese table. I am so, so happy right now that we were able to have him on and mm-hmm. and have him share those moments and, you know, his his food thoughts. And I, I love that his, uh, like, when you asked him, you know, what would you want your mom or your grandma to make you? And he said, Oroz de Tomate. Because... Yes. That is one dish that is the most nostalgic for me. Um, really? Yes. And I, I've, I haven't really tried to make it, I think, because I'm intimidated, even though I'm sure it's super easy. But when my great-grandparents immigrated over here, they purchased a, a, a ranch or a farm out in Newcastle. And so that's what they're mm-hmm. – that's how they made their living. And so then as the families got bigger – they didn't really work the land anymore, but it became a hub for the family, right? So we would spend Thanksgiving up there and sometimes we spent New Year's up there and or we'd go up there during the summer. And so whenever we had big family meals up there, we always had tomato rice, right? And yep. it, it was just so good. You could eat the whole pot. Like it was like, you know how popcorn is addicting and you could just keep yes. going and going and eat yes. the whole thing? That's yeah. how that rice was for us. And sometimes she would put chicken in it. You know, and, but, oh my God, it is really one of the best things I've ever eaten. And so I, when he said that, I just had this huge, you know, we don't have video on podcast, but I had this <laughs> huge, huge smile on my face because I'm like, yes, that is exactly right. So I love that. that funny. Now I want to go make a, a spot. spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I might have to go try it. Yes. I've never tried to make it. Oh, but no, it's, um, and I, I love, you know, of course we all have our food memories that we have. And what is your first food memory, Angela? Do you have your first food memory? I don't know. Um, I do. I am one. What's yours? Popish. Yeah. Yeah. Popish for me is something that we would have as a young child growing up even there in St. Michael. I mean, I came over when I was six and in the morning you would have papage. And when again, growing, coming here and going to school and coming home from school, my Mm -hmm. grandmother would always be the one who would be home 
My dad would be too, but my, my grandmother would always be home. So I would always go upstairs and be with my grandmother because she would always have something going on and she would make me papish. Um, and for me, she would make papish the maizena, which would be a cornstarch for thickening. So, and then she would put chocolate cocoa powder on it. So by the time I was was having pudding, I mean, let's put it out there. (laughs) I was having bowls of pudding. That's, but she would say, oh, it's good for you. You're going to, you know, you need to be strong and whatever. And sometimes she'd put like an egg in it or whatever it was that would be kind of uh, mixed and tempered in, you know, so it would have more protein in it for you to give me strength, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's all these things that, you know, eat, eat, you know, you need strength. But it was popish for me. Yeah, I, you know, so I have, I have sort of a terrible memory. So, I mean, my cousins will say, oh, remember we did this? And I have no recollection. I'm like, are you sure I was there? Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I guess one of the, it's not really, it's clearly not the first food I ever ate because I was old enough to help my mom make it. But then it's not a Portuguese thing. It was just chocolate pudding. Oh, okay. uh, But I remember we would make it and we'd put it in, um, she had different sized cups and yep. there were big, there were big cups for the adults. And then there were the little cups for the kids. And I always wanted the big cup <laughs> there. Thus the, you know, the big booty and hips that I have today, but oh, um, stop it. You are not. Stop <laughs> it. She's lying folks. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I, I remember making that with my mom. Um, and I, you know, it's funny. I only, I remember, and actually this reminds me of something I wanted to say as a result of something chef George said is that I, I do remember being in the kitchen a lot with my mom and her saying, here's how you do this. If you're going to make ground beef, here's how you do this. If you're going to boil an egg, here's how you do this. So I remember she was kind of teaching me even from a very young age. Right. And I remember getting into college or even after we graduated and living on our own and having to do things and how many people I met and my friends that didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And, yes. and then they would say, how did you learn how to do that? And I would say, did, well, my mom taught me, didn't she teach you? Yes. And so when George, chef George was talking about putting together a dinner for 30 people and it's all, you got to put the tables together. And I'm like, yeah, we're Portuguese. We're event planners from birth. Right? We really are. We, are, we right? really are. Oh my God, you said yeah. it perfectly. We are. And so I remember yep. I just did a, a very small uh, baby shower for a friend of mine. This is years ago. And uh, it was at her house. And I said, listen, I'll, I'll just bring in some more d'oeuvres. I've got platters, you know, because we're Portuguese. We have way more dishes than we ever need. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, and uh-huh. so I brought everything over and it was like little things, Maria, like I can't even tell you, it was nothing difficult, you know, little cookies here and little tea sandwiches there. And my mom and I did it like no problem. And one of the guests that were there, she said, did you have this catered? And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> like, this is the easiest thing ever. But then it, it's just, it dawned on me. Like I said, we have been planning events, whether they're family yeah. events or at the Portuguese hall forever yep. it's just second nature for us it's and second nature you're so absolutely we could, do, we could do a whole podcast on skills you develop <laughs> being portuguese right <laughs> we are multitaskers we Let's are put it that, we really are it's like and you're right it's always been we just know and i do have i think i have two sets of completely different sets of pans for cooking 
uh, okay. complete sets. I have two completely different full sets of pots and pans. Okay. I have, I think I have, let me see. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, at least six different sets of table settings. At least. Yeah. At least I have that. And then I have so many bowls. I think my husband keeps asking me, how many more bowls do I need? need. Yes. But I feel like we always need bowls. <laughs> in the, yeah, I, right? I'm going to need that. Gosh sure. darn it. When we have that party and I'm going to be missing a bowl, I'm going to tell you why I'm missing that bowl. It's uh-huh. because my husband did not let me buy that bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then when you're when you don't have to rent them from anybody, correct. you can tell your husband, see, we saved see, money because we sa- I have all the bowls. I love it. I yeah. love it. So yeah, and and it's right. I I have we could be our own catering company because we do have so much stuff. I have even things put away like for when it's for the holidays or for the summertime when it's parties. I have boxes of extra glasses. I have boxes of extra like everything that I just put away that I know I'm going to need if I have a party that I'm going to put pulling out. And it's it, it's so funny, but it's true. We really are yeah. born caterers, I guess, for event planning. We really do. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's easy. I, I, I remember, too, you know, going down to the Portuguese Hall when I was a kid and setting up for a dinner. And we had to put out, roll out the tablecloths, you know, the plastic rolls of tablecloths. Yeah. or. Yep. Put out the placemats and then set the the utensils. And I mean, so we were helping to put all that stuff together, right? And so then yes. you start start to learn what does it take to do a, a big event, right? So I, yeah. you know, it's funny out here. There's a lot of Portuguese people in real estate and and construction and stuff. I'm like, why aren't there more Portuguese event planners? It's like we could do that in our sleep and get paid. Oh my god, you're right. Two bucks, you know. All right, folks. Whoever's listening out there. You know, get it started. Come on, folks. Yeah, right. Really? But yeah, you're right. And and but you know, it just it goes out there that we know we can do it. I'm gonna say yeah. this. There are times we go to places where we go, What? They paid someone to do this? Yeah. We could do it. We could have done it better. You know, it's like, what? What the heck is this? But it's it's so true. It's yeah. so true. Yeah. We just we just We're like just, having you know, fun. We just like having yeah. fun. That's, what That's why they always say, you know, wherever, you know, you could be anywhere. And if you're with Portuguese, you could have a party. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, on that note here, I think <laughs> we've had a wonderful chat with Chef George. We want to thank him again. If he's listening, you know, we love you, George. And I cannot wait to go back and eat again at his restaurant. It, for those that are listening and you're anywhere near New York, you need to give him a try. You need to go support him. Yep. You, um, yeah. We'll, you need- we'll include the links to his websites in our show notes on yes. the podcast website. Yes, yep. absolutely. Sure. And um, and at the same time, uh, buy his book, My Portugal by George Mendes, which mm-hmm. um, is beautiful and also has great pictures and not very intimidating at all. It's very easy and you'll love it. So, yeah. So exciting. This was a great start to our guest series. Yes, it is. I can't wait to talk to all our other uh, guests that we have coming on. I can't wait to know more about them. And yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be lots of fun. Super sweet. All right. Right. So thanks again, everyone. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. Okay. 
Bye bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to our Portuguese Table podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so on SoundCloud or iTunes. And all episodes can be found on our website at www.ourportuguesetable.com. You can also reach us at feedback at ourportuguesetable.com with comments, questions, or suggestions. Até, Até a próxima! próxima.